0: Hello, you're very welcome to season two, episode four of the Final Whistle Daddy League of Ireland podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Callan, and here's what we have coming up on the today's podcast. Dean Zambra of Brain Wanders will be talking about his return to the club and under a new guise with the merger of Cabin Tealy and Bray Wanders. We'll be having an in depth discussion about his experience in the League of Ireland, but also with the League of Ireland going forward and what he feels needs to happen in order to keep the large crowds and the large capacities in our grounds going. We'll then be having an in-depth review and preview of the League of Ireland fixtures with my friend and a correspondent on Final Whistle.ie, Dear McCarney. It's going to be an in-depth discussion of what's happened both in the Premier Division and in the First Division of what happened last week and what's happening on this Friday night's action. So stay tuned to the programme. It's going to be a good one. Coming up next is our guest, Dean Zambra. I'm delighted to be joined by Bray Wonders and uh, Bray Cavantili. I don't know who it, but we'll, we'll, we'll call it Bray for now. Uh, and cabin a uh, defender, Dean Zambra. Dean has been a guest of the show. He's been a, also a, 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 how would you say, a content producer of the show as well here on Final Wessels. So we're delighted to have him. And it's delighted to talk to you again, Dean. It's uh, been, as I was saying to you, yeah, it, it's been a while, but it's good to talk to you again.
1: Yeah, good to talk to you again, Kieran. I think you were mentioning it was the the playoff a couple of years back the last time we kind of spoke officially. So yeah, um, you know, lots happened since then. A move of a club and a season in the Premier Division and you know, a couple of different changes for myself, obviously, in that time. Um, if we
0: can just start with um your time at Bray now at the moment, you've just the season that started. Um, two very, very difficult defeats at the beginning. I say when you looked at the fixture list, I say you were just sitting saying to yourselves. Oh God! It couldn't have got off to a worse possible start when you've got supposedly the big three in Waterford, Cork, and um, Waterford, Cork, and Galway. But um, what was a very, very difficult first night for you was followed up by what could be described as a very spirited for- performance against Waterford. A difficult night for you, you made for them. Um, how have you summarized just just from going back to the club, and how have you summarized the season so far? Was it always going to be that kind of season of of transition for for everybody?
1: Yeah, I think there, there's obviously transition to be expected. You're merging, you merging two squads of players. We are also bringing in new signings as well, so almost three different groups of players. And I think specifically the three clubs you mentioned are bringing back a lot of continuity. Like, so I think that's the that's the challenge for us, kind of in the first part of the season, is how do we gel and how do we get the right group on the pitch. Um, the first game was a, a strange one, statistical anomaly. Like, I think they scored every time they had a shot, kind of thing, and. Maybe maybe we were a little naive, you know, just a little bit disjointed with it being our first game. Um, I think take out the goals, and I know that sounds stupid because it ends up 6-0, but there wasn't a huge amount in the game until that run of goal, goal, goal kind of thing. So we were obviously bitterly disappointed with that and the outcome looks looks poor in the end. Um the second game then, as you mentioned, a more spirited performance, more organized, more time together, so we're gelling a little bit more huge amount of work going in behind the scenes every week and um, it was a better performance but again we're we're disappointed like we're not looking at it saying well we Waterford we can't get points or you know Galway we can't get points or Cork we can't get points we we expect to get points so we're disappointed that we came away with a 1-0 loss and again probably no probably a 50-50 game you know maybe Waterford slightly edged it specifically in the first half when they got the goal but other than that, I think it was, it was quite even and definitely gives us positive things uh, to build on for the next the next few games.
0: You've got Galway coming up next. John Caulfield's had a welcome return, say, back to Turner's Cross. He was also got a very, very big victory. They're a team that, how you say, petered off at the end of last year. They'd be hoping to keep that, you know, to have that very good momentum at the start of this season, They hope to bring it to the end. But the way I always look at it and the way that the first division has always been, it's the most, first things is, it's the most competitive first division that I have seen in a long time is the first point I'm going to make. And the second thing is, is that these teams are going to have to slip up somewhere. No, I'm not saying that you're a team that, you know, is just there to slip, you know, kind of the big boys up, but yeah. you have to make your own stamp on things because you are a new club and you are a new entity. But more importantly, you've got to, you know, as players, I suppose, you're looking to, you know, show that you can compete and is this isn't going to be... kind of the expected horse race that that people are looking for?
1: Yeah, I think from our point of view, like we're we're in it to try and win as many games as we can. We're here to compete. We're here to try and get points in every game. Um, As you said, it's a very, very competitive league. I think everyone probably thinks they can beat everyone on every given day. Um, The couple of clubs you mentioned obviously have kind of a little bit more continuity, probably bigger budgets, you know, some of them are full time. So they're expected to do better and to be more consistent as the season goes on. But from our point of view, we want to, as you said, compete. But we want to, you know, pick up points, pick up results. We want to challenge. There's no, we're not in it to come sixth. you know, that way we're, we're here to, to win as many games as we can. And that starts on Friday in our own place against Galway. Um, very difficult game, difficult team to play against. John Caulfield, as you mentioned, always has his team set up well and, you know, very professional outfit. So it will be a tough challenge for us, but we expect to be able to compete.
0: Pat Devlin is regarded in some respects as kind of like the godfather of Irish football. He's so well regarded as a coach and as a manager. Um, do you think he's bringing all that experience to what it, to, to Bray now that hopefully that will start to show, the how to say, the, the, the green shoots are going to start to show soon enough?
1: Yeah, and I think, uh, Pat will tell you himself, he's doing a huge amount of work behind the scenes to merge the two clubs together. It's not just a case of putting 11 players on the pitch every week. There's... Huge amounts of administration. There's gear. There's, you know, obviously a new crest, new branding. There's a lot of work going into the stadium. Um, so, again, you're drawing on all Pat's experience uh, as a football man, not just as a manager in that regard. And then, obviously, on top of that, he's he's managing the team as well. And we've built up a, a good backroom staff that will give Pat a hand to doing some of the coaching and some of the preparation during the week. But um, there's probably no one really else in Irish football, maybe one or two others, that you know, could deal with this amount of upheaval and combine it with, you know, putting out a team, a competitive team every week. So I think he's definitely the right man to do this. And I think you will see a lot of the hard work coming to fruition, both off the pitch and on the pitch in the next couple of months. And then over the course of the next couple of years, there's, there's big plans, obviously, in place to make it a, a really rock-solid club in Irish football.
0: Dean, you played with Bray for, as you as you mentioned to me off air, you played with Dean for, uh, with, with Bray for a long, long time. It's a club that I think has has always had enormous potential because of where it is, the ground, I always said it's the most coldest ground I've ever been in, apart from yeah. Oriel Park. It's always cold no matter what time of year you go. But like you've got that Arclow South Dublin catchment, you've got the dart, you've got all these things. You're just waiting for something to kind of really kick in, to really draw crowds into it. Because I think... It's one of those clubs that I wouldn't call it a sleeping giant. I'd call it the potential next giant. If, yeah. as you said, if all the blocks were put together and it just took it just took off.
1: Yeah, and I think if if you look at kind of Cabin Teeley and Bray as single entities in that area, they were always going to find it difficult to be able to compete as standalone clubs. If you look at the last couple of teams that have won the first division are basically full-time clubs. Uh, you look at ourselves going up, sorry, say ourselves, Longford, that when we did actually go up, we are really, really undermanned. And, and, you know, it was a totally different league to probably the last time Longford were a Premier Division club. So I think these teams are starting to realise, like, if you want to compete and get to the top level and then play in that Premier Division, you have to be as strong as you possibly can. And I think that was grounds for the merger. Like, can you bring together two sets of fans in that catchment area, as you mentioned? Can you strengthen your squad by having one squad of of good players rather than you know, two squads of so players separated between the two teams. So if they can if they can grab onto something there and I, I don't know what the answer is. Like you said, it was there for a long time before and now I'm back again. I don't know what the magic switch is um to get that crowd in. Maybe it's development work, maybe it's grassroots work, maybe you have to kind of put in the the work behind the scenes for a couple of years before you get the, the, the fan base and before you start to see that, you know, come to fruition. But there's definitely a potential there for for a big club and a strong club. And I think, again, um, whatever, what Pat has told us about, the, the potential plans are exciting and they definitely see a path to that strong one-club model in that area coming through in the next couple of years.
0: I know that on another podcast, it was League of Ireland Central, that they were talking about the fact that, Clubs in the League of Ireland have now switched from first teams to clubs, so to speak, that they have an underage structure. Cavan team's underage structure, has always been deemed a very, very strong outfit where you see the progression of under-17s and under-19s into the first team. Do you think that that, will, that blueprint will help a kind of a conveyor belt of players going into the first team in the, in the future years?
1: Yeah, I think it has to as well because... You know, you need to have an identity with your your underage teams. You need to have an identity as a club and you need to be able to, as we mentioned with the catchment area, that South Dublin, North Wicklow area, you have to generate an interest for the people like to come through the academy and come through the structures there. That's what embeds people into the, what you're doing as a club. Okay. You know, if you're just drawing players, you know, that fall away from other clubs maybe bows or shells or whatever and you're just bringing them in after they've they've left another club you don't really cement an identity in the area it's just lads traveling in to play for the club and they move on maybe in a year or two whereas if you can bring through that conveyor belt of players even if it's only a couple per season it really sets down the roots within the community people that you know know these you know players from young age start to come and watch them and they stay around to watch them and you know it just has a knock-on effect then and I don't know whether to use the word heroes, but if, if young kids are looking at players that they know from around their area that are playing kind of Premier Division football or League of Ireland football and they see them on TV and they see the highlights and they see the goals packages on Twitter, social media, whatever it might be, then it does bring together that kind of club feel where people say, oh, I want to play for Bray Wanderers, Cabin Thiele. I want to play for that unit. I want to play for that team. I don't want to go and play for... Dundalk because Dundalk have a great side and won the league the last couple of years you know so you, yeah you generate that interest within your own community which I think is is imperative and like something you'll find is that a lot of people in South Dublin follow Shamrock Rovers like so that's yeah. naturally where the fan base goes To you know not too far from Tallis so you have to try and win that fan base a little bit and it's very hard when when Rovers are winning the league and Rovers have a, a little bit of a kind of professional club setup where they have you know the you know the star players or whatever you you want to call it, and you you have to compete with that a little bit, and you mm-hmm. have to you have to try and, and take some from Shamrock Rovers in that regard in terms of fan base and even from players at at that age group like the younger age groups. F-
0: judging from just your experience from Longford's playoff run, which you know it you 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 bet, um Shelburne in the final. I was I was at that game in 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 Chikor that time. Drawing from that experience, is it is it almost even more difficult to go through that process than even going to... Like, I know that from winning the league, I know winning the league is absolutely fantastic, but the playoffs seemed to be just this unpredictable entity that anybody could knock each other out. But from Longford's experience, you know, you kind of defied the odds an awful lot, even getting to the final and then going to win it. It was just, it was fairy tale stuff and it, it was great to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think we we are possibly underdogs in all three games. I'm not entirely sure, um, what the what the kind of odds were on it. But we came into the playoffs poorly. We lost the last two games. We kind of limped in. Um, didn't really kind of have us nailed down as a starting eleven or a, or a shape or a team. Like we weren't kind of on a high rolling in with momentum. I think Galway had come in with great momentum, and we've done a huge amount of work behind the scenes. Basically, we just we kind of went full time for the couple of weeks. I think it suited us that the playoffs that year went in that one game format where it was just knockout. And for whatever reason, we just captured that kind of momentum that, you know, you lose and you go home mentality. And we were just able to win those games consecutively on the trot. Who knows, if you had to play home and away legs of all those games, would it have been the same? Would you have been able to be as consistent for Mm -hmm. six games rather than three? Who knows? You know, we we don't know. We we just went through the format as it was laid out for us, and it was it was beneficial to us in the end. And I suppose even playing two of the games in UCD and one of the Richmond Park probably benefited us as well a little bit. Like you know, rather than having to travel down to Galway or up to Finn Harps or whoever it might have been, like you know, uh, largely a Dublin based squad, we were we were pretty much based in Dublin for those couple of weeks while we were playing those playoff games. So. I think we deserve great credit, obviously, for, for knuckling down and, and really getting it done. And obviously, the, the management and the coaching staff take a huge amount of credit as well for how they prepared us for those games. And, you know, it was just a sign of what that group could do when we were able to come together for those couple of weeks.
0: And do you think that that's something that you can draw on if Bray were to make it into that that playoff spot, that you'd be able to sit there and say, you know, this is where, this is where we are, this is what we need to do. And obviously, that would be something that you could draw to the younger players you might not have been in that position or might not be this is their first time kind of dealing with this it, from a mentality point of view it's a very very high intensity you know kind of period where you know it's going to be the the, the slightest mistake that could that could cost you
1: yeah well like you'd hope to draw on that experience and, and bring it in for the younger players i've played played three promotion relegation playoffs and won all three so I You're a lucky charm then. <laughs> yeah, I'd hope to keep that going if we if we got there, you know. But like you said, it's it's really a mixed bag, kind of when it comes to that those playoff games. And it's just you see it in the English Championship playoff games where there's so much on the line in terms of money and promotion to the Premier League. And it's just these mental games and mad aggregate scores and lots of things happening in the games. And we've had some degree of that as well in our in our own playoff games and i think in fairness the format has been really good the last couple of years and it's generated that excitement and buzz around the first division so yeah obviously if we get into that position i'd, I'd like to be able to bring some of the experience and and kind of pass it around the group and and hopefully whoever we may fa- face if we if we are in the playoffs or whatever the case may be if, if we can draw on some of my own experience and pass it around the group we'll definitely try and do that yeah Finally, Dean, just a general League of Ireland question.
0: Um, I would say that COVID has probably has helped an awful lot in this, but there seems to be, like you saw the attendance records in in Cork the idea of 5,000 fans at a First Division match is completely unheard of maybe two, three years ago. There seems to be this, and you're hearing about bows being sold out, you know, Shep Park being sold out. Now, I'll bet some of those stadiums are kind of not at full capacity. They they do have trinkets, but, it, as, sorry, aspects of their stadium are, are not usable at the moment. But do you think that there has been, how would you say, a kind of a grown, a new love affair with the League of Ireland, with everything that's gone on, people have kind of become to appreciate it a little bit more, but also because people have been kind of stuck in their houses. I know I've been very lucky that I've been able to kind of go to games and stuff, but other people haven't. Do you think that that kind of, how would you say, excitement and more kind of love for live football has come back in this country instead of maybe going over to England or just watching it on the TV?
1: Yeah, I think there's, there's obviously a mix, like you said, with COVID and people being taken away from the games. But I think the clubs have done a huge amount of good work over the last number of years to promote games. Uh, Bowes, in particular you now doing an awful lot of good work in the community and promote the games and have had sell stadiums. Rovers doing a lot of good work too. Cork City, as you said, are a big club, obviously in a big area down in Cork. So I think the clubs have really taken on the baton there with their, their own self-promotional stuff, which has been brilliant. I think the fact Stephen Kenny has gone into Ireland Mm -hmm. as the senior team manager has helped because there's that little bit of groundswell of League of Ireland support kind of saying, look, let's come to League of Ireland games. This is where Stephen Kenny came from. This is where James McLean came from, Seamus Coleman came from, Shane Long, whoever it might be. And I think it's infiltrating the football and sports going people within the country to kind of say, oh yeah, I'll, I'll go and give a League of Ireland game a chance and I'll get down to my local club and like I said, maybe someone like Rovers and Bows a little bit are starting to resemble clubs across the water. Like you go to the stadium and it feels like a stadium. It feels like a football match. It, fe- it looks like a football pitch. It's big, bright lights. And instead of, you know, we have we obviously have a problem with infrastructure in in the, in the country in terms of the stadiums. But some of the clubs are doing really well at it. And they're making this match-going experience similar to going over to, to games in England. And it looks and feels like professional football matches now, which obviously generates excitement for kids and then you know fa- fathers or whatever mothers bringing their kids and um, there's obviously something there now that like the clubs have latched onto, and the longer that continues the better obviously you know and like i said there's a couple of different factors in there people being away from games because of covid is definitely one of them but obviously and um, the clubs improving their product as well i think is the main thing like
0: well, listen, Dean, thanks very much. We hope to have you on maybe later on in the season and we might talk if uh, if that playoff final comes to fruition. We will hope to talk to you before that. But listen, the very best of luck and thanks very much for talking to us tonight.
1: Thanks for having me on, Kieran. No
0: problem. And now for our next segment here on the League of Ireland podcast on FinalWhistle.e, I'm joined once again by Dear McCarney at FinalWhistle.e correspondent, but also host of Around the Grounds here on a Friday and sometimes a Saturday night. Dianne, you're very welcome back to the programme. Delighted to have you. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks for having me on once again. No problem. Uh, delighted to talk to you. I think I talk, spoke to you twice last week, so this is the third, <laughs> third time in the space of a couple of days. If we can just go through the results of last week and then we'll hit the fixtures. So starting with match week four, Draw it a two, or sorry, draw it a four rather, UCD two. Then you've got Shelburne nil, uh, Derry City one. St. Patrick's Athletic one, Shamrock Rovers nil. Finn Harps and Bohemians drew one all, and it was nil all between Sligo Rovers and Dundalk. There's a couple of big results that have happened there in that game Derry winning away from home. Pat's beaten uh, Shamrock Rovers, but a packed out United Park defeating UCD four two. Which one do we di- dissect first, really? Um, I suppose we have to take a
2: look at Shamrock Rovers, I suppose, suffering two defeats so far after just, what, four games now? Yeah. I don't think there's any, you know, alarm bells should be ringing that, you know, Shamrock Rovers are in a crisis or anything all of a sudden. Last season, they ended up, you know, they dropped a couple of points in the opening few weekends. Now, they were picking up points in terms of draws. They hadn't suffered a defeat quite early, quite as early as they had this year. Um, but i know we mentioned it last week on the podcast where we were talking about it and you mentioned about the, about the title race this year looking very interesting you know we've already seen derry derry of course picked up the win last week Shamrock Rovers again suffering another defeat against a team like saint patrick's athletic who are you know a rival of theirs they're also taking on bohemians this week in another dublin derby they don't want to lose points again you know if they if they suffer another defeat this week then you know, you're, you're asking questions going, you know, can they can they do it already? You know, four games in, you're already questioning, are they going to, you know, walk the season again this year? I know a lot of people had predicted, I know we did as well, that it looked like Shamrock Rovers were going to be the same. They had strength in their team. They still had the same model of what they had last year, the same five back in defence, same philosophies up top. You know, they brought in Jack Byrne, he's impressed, but they never looked like getting anything out of St. Pats. I was watching the game. They looked flat. I Jack Byrne took a free kick toward the end. And I think he drove it toward the corner flag in the end. He was aiming for a goal and it just completely went off target. They they, they haven't looked. They've looked against the weaker teams, you could say they have looked as as you would expect Sean McGrovers to look, but against Derry, they looked flat, didn't seem to have that bit of energy, that creativity in the middle looked a bit lacking. Then the goal that they conceded was sloppy. And then the last week against Pats it looked very much similar. They just Mm -hmm. didn't look, they didn't look like the same team they were last year. They were a lot more enjoyable to watch last year. They looked like they were a bit more free-flowing, whereas this year, it's like that creative spark just doesn't seem to be there at the moment for them, I think. Also,
0: the one thing with Chad McGovern's last season was that they were relentless. Like, Mm -hmm. how many games did they win in that 85 to 90, 90, 92 minutes I think Longford were the kind of the, 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 the side that unfortunately were were the, how we say, the victims of that, I think, on three separate occasions where they conceded really, really late. But that is the sign of a team that's going to win you a league that they just have that relentless spirit. It doesn't seem to have that same kind of drive. Is it a case that Maybe because we've had a more, kind of, how would you say, more consistent, more normal pre-season, more normal training compared to that of the previous two seasons. Because we haven't had the, the COVID factor being put into it, so to speak, that either teams have caught up or that it's starting to show that little bit of a level playing field again.
2: Um, I think it's more of the level playing field, I suppose, the likes of... Derry's recruitment this year has been fantastic. I suppose Shamrock Rovers have had really good recruitment over the last number of years. And I think last year it really showed where they had that depth in numbers. They were able to bring in, you know, Graham Burke coming back, the likes of Richie Towell coming in. They had that bank balance. They could bring in those type of players. And you are bringing back in Jack Bourne again this year. They have looked strong. But I think that, you know, maybe the other teams mightn't have strengthened enough over the last number of years, but now they've kind of found their feet. Again, you could say, all right, with the pre season stuff that, you know, we had that that ability to do the preseason. Managers were able to sit down at the end of last year, dissect everything from the season and say, Right, look, we go again. Um, the likes of Derry could turn around and say, Look, we, we did well last year, but if we buy these players in, we'd already they'd already sorry, had agreed transfers by the end of last season that they were saying, Look, we're gonna announce these players, they're coming in for next season, we're ready to go. And then you know, they've, they've led by example. They've done really well this season. You look at Dundalk as well. Dundalk did, done good business as well in the transfer window. Like I'm not saying Rovers have either, but I just don't know where it went. It has gone wrong for Rovers so far because as you say last year, they were ruthless. They were dominant. And you talk about late goals and how many Rovers games I had to do where you, know, you had to... The rewrite. Like, there's a couple, <laughs> the rewrite. There's a couple of late goals going in here and everything like that, you know. And, and I think that was just test testament to their team last year they looked they looked hungry from the start but this year i know they opened a night they looked strong but they were up against a ucd team that had just came up you know they've looked strong in other games but when you put them up against derry they were up against it that day they were up against it against pats on friday night now i thought they might they might get the win against St. Pat's because they hadn't really looked looked as good as they could be at this stage of the season and looking ahead to bohemians on friday I I just think that there there definitely needs to be a, a, a couple of questions asked, maybe a bit of tactical analysis done on the games to see where where is it going wrong, where could they develop? Is it a, a case that the five back worked last year, but maybe you need to do something else? That that creative centre of the field, you might maybe drop someone back, drop someone into a cam role just to have someone who could be able to ping ball to the left and right channels or something, but. And I, I know. Stephen Bradley definitely knows what he's he's doing. To be honest, he's oh, a he's a league winner at the end of the day. So uh, he won't be he won't be listening to me and, and asking saying, "Oh yeah, definitely change my tactics." He's after saying it, but th- there's definitely something amiss with that team. Um, and I think that you know when when they went to Derry, Derry had done their homework on them. They knew what they were like. They knew the type of team Shamrock McRover's were. And then when St. Pats played them last Friday, it was just a case of, right, we're going to play behind the ball. Not going to give you the space and the movements. We know you want to play out wide. We're not going to give you the space down the channels to cut inside. And then, you know, it was just a case of it was a great win for Pats. But, um, yeah, I think think most teams definitely had the the benefit of that extra preseason. It's just going to be interesting to see what way now the season works for them. Will we see injury breaks? Will there be COVID cancellation games again this year? It's going to be interesting to see what way
0: stuff plays out, to be honest. Derry had a huge win in Dublin. I watched the game. It was very, very tight. I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I thought Shelburne were extremely well organised. They pressed when they needed to. They were very disciplined in that approach. I think Damien Duff is starting to kind of get to grips with what is expected as a Premier Division manager. But... The one thing he doesn't have that Derry City did have and that was just that little bit of magic and it came in the form of Patrick McElhenney. Now listen, it's not the prettiest of goals that he'll ever score but they all count. But it's those wins on the road and it's those kind of victories that in reality they're they're, they're going to be prices come the end of the season.
2: Yeah, you know, I suppose as long as the ball goes in the back of the net you don't care whether it comes off a shin, a head, whatever. As long as you get a touch and the ball goes into the net. It doesn't matter as long as the goal is in there. You get the points off of it. Happy days. I think any manager in the league will be happy with that if their team scores a scrappy goal. Obviously, you don't want to concede them. Um, you know, you pull your hair out when you see a, a team defend a goal that's it's not the prettiest of things to watch. But it was a tight win. I think a lot of people did ride off Shelburne, but Damien Duff has done a good job. They have been really good to watch. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the results mightn't speak for them for themselves, and their position in the table but i think they have been a very interesting team to have back in the in the premier division they've looked strong and you know damien Duff coming in as a first-time manager he's definitely not got any you know the lack of experience there or anything he's definitely showing what he learned from you know all the managers that he's had at at club level and everything that maybe they've just brushed off and him same philosophies and, and tactics and everything they definitely have been a team that can, they can test anyone as we saw against Derry, you know 1-0 win for Derry against a team like Shells is, is a great result for them testament to what Damien Duff has has taught them but, you know, for for Derry, you, you'll take three points obviously, you know, when they found out that Shamrock Rovers had had, you know, suffered a, 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 their second defeat of the season you're, you're definitely going to be happier coming home knowing that you've got your three points tonight but it's also seen you climb up the table and Now you can build on that for the next week and know that, you know, Rovers are going to be chasing you now. So it's all a case of it's in your hands. If we continue this form, we can bring the title home. So definitely, definitely Derry will will be front runners now going into this weekend. It'll be interesting to see can they keep this form up throughout the rest of the season. But I think with their management team and the quality of their players, um, if Makelane can get more goals, maybe different to what he scored on Friday night, but definitely if he if they can get anything into the net, they'll they'll be happy with it,
0: to be honest. Derry said he put up an interesting tweet during the week where it showed the comparison between this year and last year. The bottom two teams last year were Dundalk and Derry. The top two teams this year are Dundalk and Derry. So it just goes to show you what a difference a, a year can make mm. in football and in sport. But turning to Dundalk, they had a, um, just from my own personal viewpoint, you know, they they played, I thought they played well in parts. Um, the pitch was extremely difficult. I know there was a lot of complaints made about it, but that's their second clean sheet in a row. Their defence is starting to look that little bit more solid. I think, however, they're still missing that little bit of balance in the back four when it comes to Patrick, or er, sorry, Sam Bone is currently playing as a right-sided Left back, which probably doesn't help matters because he's also playing he's his natural position is a centre back. Um Darryl Lee, Leahy, you know, the initial prognosis was that he's going to be back for the next game. Since then it's been the next game and the next game. We're not too sure whether Dar- when Daryl is going to be back. He has been doing light running, but he sat literally right beside me in the stand on on Sat on Saturday evening along with John Mountney. So who's also another player that has to come back. And from conversations that people have had with John this year, is that he has said, despite the fact during his initial time with Dundalk, he said that he was going, he's he's coming back now, and he's going to be playing in a right back position. So that leaves the questions up to young Lewis Makari, who's in on loan from Stoke City. What's going to happen then when when John comes back into the fray? Because John's Mister Seven out of Ten, no matter where he plays, you know he's he's one of those players. But the one good thing that can be taken from that from that game, especially is that strength of Andy Boyle and Mark Conley looked to be a very solid partnership. The midfield is looking very very strong. Um, I think a game like that showed a different side to Stephen Bradley. He had to show his more creativity side. He had to set more chances up and trying to take a goal. You know, tried to take the goal himself. He nearly had how to say the three in a row of cutting in onto his left foot, but it didn't happen. But it's still at the same time, I think. Sometimes in a couple of those occasions when they were pressing really high, they were left very, very exposed at the back, which left Sligo Rovers to attack. I think there was a case of Sligo's wastefulness at times, but also a little bit of inconsistency in Ring Rusty because it's their first game, first home game of the season, coupled with the pitch. I think a nil-all draw was a fair result, but at the same time, Dundalk will feel that they created more of the clear-cut chances and I don't know why he wasn't um play- why he wasn't on the bench, but I did say my father was sitting beside me at the game. I said halfway through the second half, you know, this is prime for David McMillan to come in, and unfortunately McMillan wasn't there, which meant that that kind of extra attacking option wasn't available. But um, all in all, I think a nil all draw was 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 a very fair result. But something that I will take away from the game that probably I haven't seen because. For the first time this season, I've just been able to go and watch the game more than anything else. We never replaced Robbie Benson when he left. We've got Robbie Benson back. And he's a completely different player. He's given a more free role. But he's more, how would you say, consistent in his attacking. He's more intelligent. Now, he's a very intelligent guy at the best. times, We all know the history behind that. But I think there's more intelligent aspects to his play. Which is really, really uh, helped things along, and I think that that's going to be very, very fruitful in the future. Um, going into the in the next couple of games, with they play Shelburne this weekend? But there's one, there's two other games that I want to talk about. Drouadie United had an open match. Anybody who wanted a ticket could get a ticket. They went in and they were hit with a goal fest, but uh, UCD were hit for four. It was another difficult night for the students. Yeah,
2: I, I think UCD are going to struggle this season. To be honest, um, you know, make, making a step up to the Premier Division is never easy for for any team. To be honest, when you're coming up uh, as a promoted side, but when you're a team like UCD, where I suppose a lot of a lot of your your players mightn't have the same experience as what you're coming up against. You look at that draw on the team; a lot of players who have had. You know, there's there's mileage on them in the league. They've they've got that experience, whether whereas you know the young students aren't. You know they aren't as as prepared as you you'd hope for around this level. Now you know they they still give a good showing. Um, I know one of their goals was an absolute joy to watch. I can't remember who who scored it, but it was it was an absolutely fantastic. I was watching the highlights back of it, and you know they they do have talent in their ranks, but I think Draha are just that team that. They've been around the league for so many years now they know how to grind the results heading the game park can be a tough venue to go to for any team in the country to be honest and you know they can they can get their results they can finish you know mid table they won't probably have to worry about relegation this year i'd say they can just about survive it but you know ucd in spells they can show it of course they were hit for four again they haven't really got a good record so far this this year in terms of their goal difference but you know, it's still early days yet. I wouldn't be panicking for UCD yet. You know, of course, probably be it more than likely will be, to be between them and Harps for ninth and tenth. To be honest, Harps again looking a bit a bit wayward so far this season. But you know, if UCD can kind of get the rub of the green, I think they could maybe snatch the playoff spot if they can. It all depends. Look, can they get the form? Can the the younger lads make the step up? Can they show their qualities to say, look, here here's what I can do for the team? Can yeah. you? make make a difference in that in that in that section but you know I suppose the the biggest thing to come out of that game obviously was the attendance the the free tickets that was a great thing to see you know and definitely a, a good promotion for for Drogheda and the league as, as a whole to say that you know come to the game it's free and then you're 3-4-2 spectacle and it, it was it was an enjoyable game to watch in the end it wasn't just like you know your dead rubber nil nil drawer yeah. You know, it was high scoring, good tempo to it. It was um, it was very, very entertaining. And you know, definitely, if you were in the facility and you got a ticket last week, you were definitely treated to, to a very good game. And you know, some people that are around the Drouhard area
0: might consider coming to to head in the game park again for for another game. You never know. I think Connor Hoy, the uh, chairman of Draw the United, said you couldn't write it any better, to be honest with you. Uh, just to finish up the fixtures, Bohemians drew one all with Finn Harps. Um, I think there was a, a controversial decision near the end where Promise Amiciere was sent off in... A clash between two players and and he was given a second yellow card. That does have implications because he could. I'm not too sure how the suspension list will work, but he could be suspended for this game against uh, Shamrock Grovers now on on Friday night. You can't in, in a game like that where you're kind of hit. You're kind of meeting a team that's kind of on a bit of a uh, on on a rope that's looking for a win. You can't be losing players like Promise. He's just he's just an exceptional player. Really, at times he's he's frightening.
2: Yeah, I suppose he, he has been that that player that's came in and, and filled the void left by Georgie Kelly. You know, last year, without him in the team, you would have said, you know, you're going to struggle. Now, with, with promising the team, it's a case of, you know, you've got that player, you've got the talent, you know, he can do a lot of things for you. If he's not going to be playing on Friday night, that's a huge, huge void, you know. When you're going up against your rivals, you never want to be weakened. And, you know, to go in there without without a player like Promise, who's who has that goal-scoring touch that you need, especially when you're coming up against a team like Shamrock Rovers, who've got a good defensive record, who've got just strong players inside there that you want a player like him who can be dynamic, be creative, but also be a goal-scorer at the same time. Now, you know, a lot of people will say, if you watch the clip back, you know, was it a second yellow? Should he have been booked? You know, people will be, you know, on the fence with it. You know, you're either for or against it, to be honest, but, you know, maybe... If he is suspended for Friday, can Bohemians launch a late claim to say, "Look, can we appeal it? Whatever, you know." If you're coming up against, if it was any other game, you might say, "Look, we, we'll take it for the game for the." If he's just out for one game, we'll take it, but but not against Rovers. You don't you you don't want to, <laughs> no, especially with bragging you bragging rights, you've everything on the line. You know, Shamrock Rovers win; they have a good chance of going back on the ta- top of the table. If Derry don't get a result. But Bohemians would love nothing more than to beat their rivals and also make sure that their rivals are, you know, left chasing ground for
0: for a title charge as well. So uh, you never know, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, just going sh- very quickly. Well, we're not going to dispute. We're not going to be dismissive of them. But the first division results. Uh, Cove Rammers did very very well to draw against Treaty United. Galway United drew two all at Waterford and. What's once again, we're, we're talking about these teams and it's always going to be a case of someone who slips. Then you've got Wexford uh, winning against Athlone Town. Our little bit of a prediction that there could be the surprise package of the season, could be coming to the fore. And then Longford drawing in their first game. We had Gary Cronin on with us last week and he spoke very, very well and spoke very passionate about his time at Longford. They drew nil all with Cork. So, I mean... As things stand, it's kind of as you wear a little bit. Um, nobody kind of got a kind of got the big result that they needed, but I think Treaty might see that as two points dropped. Um, a bit of lost ground in so, in some respects against Cove.
2: Yeah, I suppose it was their second game of the season. Of course, their game the week previous was was disrupted due to um, poor playing conditions down in the markets field. I suppose when you're when you put all the, the prep work into taking on a team on a friday night and then there's no game and then you're you're left chasing it you're going okay we're going away next weekend we're we're down to cove your 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 mindset changes from we're playing this team to we're not playing this team now we're going on to a different team um Cove did very well they worked hard to grind out the results they managed to get a point at home good great uh results for them but you know you do see that about treaty that, you know Tommy Barrett definitely wanted to go there and get three points. It was definitely something to build on where, you know, we want to lay down the foundations early for a title charge or try and get up the table as quick as possible. They haven't really done that so far this season. They've just kind of stalled a bit to start with, whether as you look at the likes of Waterford, who've been performing well. Of course, they drew against Galway. Now, I suppose for for both teams, you could say you know, you take a point against each other in terms of a title picture, obviously Waterford would have liked to keep their their winning streak going, now they're still unbeaten in the league, um, and then you have the likes of Longford who came out and showed that they can get a result against Cork, but, you know, for a team that did come down last year from the Premier Division, uh, people said that it was, um, it was a good result that they got a draw against Cork, now I don't know what you know this is Cork's second year down in the first division. If you're a team coming down from the Premier Division, should you be winning these games? Are you know, but look, it, it's your opening game of the season. It was, um, you know, a fairly you know, it, it was a course of the nil nils last Saturday when we were doing around the grounds. You were at the nil nil with the other nil nil as well. It was just like you know, watching it back, there were spells of attacking intent from both teams, but they just didn't look like they were going to break the deadlock. Um, I don't know whether it's just a case of Longford were just really good defensively but they just couldn't really get that that final spark Or did, did both teams defenses just kind of balance each other out and neither of them looked like they could snatch a goal at the end but I think I think all I think most of those teams will be happy but I do think the team happiest from last weekend will be Wexford you know you mentioned mm-hmm. there about a surprise package I was completely right in Wexford off at the start of the year I didn't think they would be competing with the likes of you know, a Watford team who are, you know, intent on going straight back up, a Cork team who've built over the last two years, or, you know, Galway who, you know, are kicking themselves they didn't go up last year instead of UCD, um, and a Tracy United team who are, you know, it's their second year, but, you know, they showed what they could do last year. You know, Wexford have Wexford have impressed. They're definitely a, a team to watch. And, you know, if they get another result again this weekend, you could definitely see them, you know, saying, you know, to the, the, the bigger lads there, you know, there's definitely another team around not yeah. just the four of e fighting for the title you know we're just gonna sit up here at the top of the table and let
0: you kind of argue who you think will win the- <laughs> <We'll just get laughs> who's our gonna win the playoff yeah <laughs> pretty much we're- we're going to go straight on to the, the fixtures before we go on to where we're going to have a topic discussion. It's probably the first time we, we, we're going to delve into a couple of things about the League of Ireland, but uh, Shelburne are playing Dundalk in Talca Park. That's going to be a very, very interesting game. Then you have Jardy United versus uh, United versus Sligo Rovers. Then UCD are taking on Derry City. Finn Harps are at home to St. Patrick's Athletic with an 8 o'clock kickoff. And Then obviously Shamrock Rovers versus Bohemians in the Dublin Derby taking away the obvious, the Dublin Derby is going to be the one that's going to have all the, the headlines, all the reports, everything like that. Um, is there any other game that's standing out for you?
2: Um, I mean, I, I suppose, like you said there, everyone's eyes are going to be on Now, obviously, it is the 8 o'clock kickoff. I mean, there is other implications in the league, to be honest. I mean, look, Shelburne and Dundalk, another home game for Shelburne. Can they get a result against Dundalk? I don't think they will. I think Dundalk, you know, they need to try and get the, the three points again and get that result. UCD taking on a very strong Derry team at home, based on Derry's form recently and the way UCD have performed, I, I do think Derry will will look to leave the capital with a result. To be honest, um, I can't I can't see UCD getting three points. I could see them holding them to a scoreless draw if they, you know, if they can just one of those nights where you know, you keep it nice and tight and compact at the back and you just make sure that Derry can't. You know, play down the wing or try and cross it in, or you'll know, get that type of tactics on you, and um, it'll be interesting to see as well. And of course, you know, Finn Harps, they taken on Saint Pat's. I, I, I don't know how well Finn Harps have adjusted um, so far this season. Saint Pat's, of course, you know with the result last weekend, they'll be looking to say, you know, we got a great three points last weekend, good performance against the team that are the current champions, everyone's favourites for the for the league again this year. You know, we're going up against. Uh, a Finn Harps team that are probably one of the favourites to be
0: relegated. But the thing, you know, but the thing about Finn Harps, one and... hmm. the one the one when I noticed when they were playing Dundalk was that they pressed and pressed and pressed on Dundalk. You know, Mahalovic hmm. was very very impressive, but Dundalk then very much against the run of play scored, and it was just like a domino effect. It just hmm. they not, not saying that they all the heads dropped or anything like that, but they couldn't get that pressing momentum again no matter how much ollie horgan tries and money ollie mm. horgan is a very astute manager and he's very very good at his job and I, i'm not taking away but it seemed to be a case that they just not that they gave up but they kind of could sense what was coming they they kind of went on a wee bit of a press in the start of the second half conceded then two very very early like they conceded from sam bone after 45 seconds in the second half and then there was the the third goal. It was, how would you say inevitable that it was going to happen? And mm-hmm. the thing is, is that the longer that they hold Pats out of goal and how they hold it, like hold out a result, it could be kept more frustrating because Finn Park is a very frustrating place to go at the best of times. I think that that's something that they need to look at is that they need to make Finn Harps a very difficult place to go. I don't know if you've ever been. Fans are right on top of you. It's a it's a really really mm-hmm. tight pitch, and. It, you know, they've made it their home, so to speak. And I think a lot of teams don't like going there. So that's the kind of attractiveness for them. And I think that that's something that could hinder Pats going into it. Like, in court at the best of times, it's very similar to, to Bradley Buffet in that regard, that the fans are on top of you and stuff like that. But it's just... It's a different breed up there. It really is. The fans are right on top of you. They're on top of you from the moment go. And if you're if you're not of a strong disposition when it comes to mentality in cards of playing and sounding that out, it could become a very difficult 90 minutes.
2: Yeah, you know, I haven't I haven't been up there personally. I think it's one of those grounds that I do want to visit eventually. It's just one of those us you know, old like historic pitches, a bit like turners. You Ross, go for the soup. Turner's. Just to let yeah. you know, you
0: go for the soup. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's it's Um, it's one of those i I was watching a a couple of games last year at finn park and you know but you're all about like tenacity like they can press you and they can make you work for games but then there's that one thing and you know harps can concede late they can concede anything and i think you know if Saint pats play like that where you know we know what we're going to get here we're just going to pass it around You know, if you're going to press us, we'll whatever. But if we can just, you know, get a ball in behind, if your defence is open, it's going to be curtains for them. You know, it's all going to come down to tactics at the end of the day. And Oli Horgan definitely knows what way he wants his Finn Harp's team to play. It's just whether they can, you know, pin back in St. Pats, cause them to have issues. And I think they'll be happy with a point. But, you know, stranger things have happened in Donegal. Well, you can definitely see three points coming out of this game if they manage to hit the front early and just you know pin them back in but look it's 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 going to tell we'll, we'll know friday night what the story is with that game but based on form pat's look i suppose on paper you could say pat's look look sure to take the three points but going to bally buffet against Finn harps you know you know, Never know the result. To be honest, it's one of those grounds that any other team you'd probably be able to anticipate it, but you never know what you're going to get with an Arps.
0: Go to the first division fixtures. You've got a southeast derby between Waterford and Wexford. Then you've got Bray Wanderers versus Galway United, Cork versus Cavan. Oh, so the first the first of the south derbies and Treaty versus Longford Town, Coven Cork big game there. And then you've got. Wexford and Waterford, you know, a treaty. We'd be looking to get points against Longford and Bray Wanderers are playing Galway United. Um, if I was going to be honest here, I think the Fei have done something really, really good here in terms of their fixture listings. You've got a load of derbies packed in and that's something that can be really, really well packaged, which is something that we'll talk about in just a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. But if I was to pick one game out of there, it has to be Wexford and Waterford because you've got the team that could surprise everybody. Versus the team that everyone just expects to win the division.
2: Yeah, and you know, you mentioned about the derbies, you know, that Southeast derby there, you know, two two teams that are, you know, they definitely want bragging rights over the other. You know, we mentioned there a few minutes ago about Wexford being that surprise package. You know, you go to the RSC against Waterford, you come home with the win there. That's, that's rubber stamping your name, is saying, you know, you're, you know, they look like a title contingent team or a team that definitely could go up. Waterford, you know, I don't think they were happy with the result last week against Galway. Now, you are going to aim at DC Park, which is a tough place to go as well, especially in the the first division last year. It was a tough place to go for most teams. But, you know, it looks like to be that game this week. But, you know, when you look at Galway will have their own game, Galway can get a result out of it. And, you know, there's a share of the spoils down in Waterford. It could be one of those things where, you know, there's that little you know, questions of you know what's gonna happen here. You know, if Cork City can get a good result against Cove, that's great for them. Treaty and Longford both on a point so far. You know, can Treaty, you know, get their win, can they kind of get their season back on to um, to winning start? You know, they're back down on Shannon's side, so hopefully, you know, they can get a result there. Um Longford of course you mentioned they look you know they can look strong at times, but can they get the results? You know, they're they suffered last year. Can they get it? can they get back to winning ways this year it'd be interesting to see but definitely i agree with you that the standout fixture there does look like to be the the game between waterford and wexford but you know you never know we might see uh, another goal fest in the first division this week those other games might might entertain us and it could be a nil all draw between Wexford and Waterford you, yeah. just, you just never know you can't write the
0: league to be honest sometimes. No. curse of the commentator David I'll be talking to you on Friday from uh, Talca Park as you've got around the grounds on the final whistle after after each uh, League of Ireland series of games but thanks once again for your insight and your input and it's always a pleasure to talk to you thanks Kieran. pleasure to be on as always yeah That's our lot for this week. We hope that you've enjoyed the podcast. My thanks to Dean Zamber of Bray Wanderers and to Deamon Kearney of FinalWhistle.ie. You can catch Deamon and the rest of the FinalWhistle.ie reporters on match nights for Around the Grounds on the Final Whistle. Wherever you're going this weekend, I really hope that you enjoyed the League of Ireland action, whatever club you are supporting. I've been Kieran Callan. We'll see you next week. Take care. Goodbye.